This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Place to Be Nation pop experience. Welcome to another great episode of Pop Goes the Classics, or should I say, aloha and welcome to uh, our lovely show that we do here on all the great full-length Disney animated features. I am one of your tri-hosts, Andy Atherton. I am in the driver's seat today because this is a movie that I really enjoy a lot. I enjoy the character, the main characters. Well, there's a a lot of great characters in this movie. There is some really good, fun voice work in it as well. It's something I watch with my kids a lot, and um, I've had experiences with these characters in the disney parks that we'll talk about later on but what's that we well i don't do this show alone and i am a tri house that means there's three of us so introducing first to my metaphorical right all the way from now the czech republic miss miranda berthold miranda ohana means family did you know that ohana means family I do love, I do love Ohana. I do love Czech. So those both things are correct. I am non Czech. Uh, how are you doing, Andy? You asked me <laughs> how I'm doing, but nobody since you're the host, like main dry host this week. How are you? I'm I'm good. You know, I, I I'm gonna I have a hankering for chili dogs. Oh, that does. Tell you why. I'll tell you. I'll, I'll if 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 you know one of the attractions, you'll understand that. But it's a little little attempt at humor, if you will. <laughs> All right. Well, to my metaphoric left, all the way from sunny Las Vegas, Steve Riddle. Steve, you going to go on a Hawaiian roller coaster after this? Um, well, it definitely wouldn't be um, be the bad idea, especially since the weather there is probably a lot nicer than it is for all three of us right now. But um, <laughs> um, but no, it's good to be back. Glad to be uh, talking about this film. All right. Very good. So all the way back to... 2002 more specifically it is june 21st 2002 it is the 42nd full-length animated feature by walt disney animation it is lilo and stitch now this is a movie that has a a, it has a fun legacy to it because there there's a lot of lilo and stitch property that comes like almost like uh, the franchise the ip but for me this was kind of one of the out of left field ideas that came from Disney because this on paper doesn't look like a traditional Disney film. It, uh, it, you know, they did these really great um, promos. Uh, let me get to my my notes. So to promote this film, right, they did a se- they, they dropped a series of trailers. They dropped a Little Mermaid trailer, but Stitch surfs a wave that crashes down an arrow. They released a Beauty and the Beast trailer that Stitch causes the chandelier to fall during the ballroom scene, nearly smashing Belle and Beast. They dropped an Aladdin trailer with Stitch stealing Princess Jasmine from Aladdin during a whole new world magic carpet ride. And then they also dropped a Lion King trailer where Stitch takes Simba's place on the on Pride Rock during the Circle of Life opening. So it was kind of like the messaging was that this is not your ordinary, your traditional Disney animated film. So I, I was really excited to see this. I it, This came out, you know, right after Jessica was born. So I did go see this, unlike one of the rare times I had, you know, uh, you know, was awake enough to go see a movie at this time. But Steve, what are your memories of this? Is this something you saw in theaters? And what were your thoughts on initially seeing, like, Lilo and Stitch? Like, this is, it was kind of a, uh, not... It was it was different, right? <clears throat> yeah, so I, I didn't see it in the theaters when it first came out. The first time I actually saw it was um was actually not for when I did the um the wonderful reviews at Disney. It was actually back um when me and my family we went to um Costa Rica for vacation. We were staying in a um and we were doing like the thing where you like stay in another person's house for like a week. Um I know it's like Airbnb kind of thing. Yes. Um and um so obviously when you're there, you know, we you know we saw that they had like a whole bunch of like movies to watch and one of those 
movies was Lilo and Stitch. So that was actually the first time I ever saw the film um, was was then. And I mean, I, I, I thought it was I liked I mean, I liked it at first. I didn't think it was you know all time. I didn't think it was great, but I didn't think it was terrible either. Um, and it just seemed to um, it's kind of funny because it seemed like gain this like reputation as being a great you know one, a great film and i mean considering what we've watched watched to this point um in terms of like this you know, of the 2000s it's definitely i think the best film that has come out but for whatever reason it just never resonated with me um as like a as like a as a you know favorite from for me um again not to say that i hated it because i didn't i thought it was a good film but it just never I don't know, for some reason it just hasn't and still to the seat they even just doesn't something doesn't click for me with this film. I, I okay. don't know what it is, but it just just for whatever reason it just doesn't. All right. That's fair. Uh, Miranda, what were your thoughts on initial thoughts on Lilo and Stitch and, and when you first saw like this was coming out? Like did you think like where where are they going with this? Well, I knew it was going to be a, a different adventure, a fun adventure, and I kind of loved the um, the promos they did because it was like the chaos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like you described each of them, like I think it's pretty obvious. It's just like kind of fun chaos. So in 2002, I did go see this in the theater. I went uh, with my high school boyfriend. Um, I was forced to take my siblings with me as well because my parents wanted a date night. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it actually turned out to be a really fun night. It was one of those, like, I'm a broke high school kid, but we went to a movie and then I took my brothers to eat at O'Charlie's. So I have a core memory with this movie. And I guess it was true, Night of Ohana. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see that. Um... You know, also the Elvis, we, you know, they had they had let it, not let it slip, but, you know, we knew there was going to be Elvis, because I think Elvis was in one of the trailers, some of the music, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was kind of something, it was one of those things, too, that um, Disney, I think, is looking to, you know, kind of change, bring a phrase into, into their vernacular, which was Ohana. Um, I think that was one of the drivers, because, like, you, you, I'm, I, I doubt either of you two will remember this, but. But when you would go to like Disney or like a Disney store before Beauty and the Beast came out, they would say, you know, next online. And, you know, after Beauty and the Beast came out, everybody, it was be our guest. It was, that was mm-hmm. the big thing that changed their vernacular. So I think with with this film, I think they were looking to do that where they were going to add Ohana and family because that's really at the heart of this movie. It's all about family and family you know, is not always in a traditional sense. So that, I think that's what they were trying to uh convey in in this sorry my cat just out of my notes um all right so the uh the log line for this is a young parentless girl adopts a dog quote unquote from the local pound completely unaware that is supposedly a dangerous scientific experiment that's taken refuge on earth and is now hiding from its creator and those who see it as a menace directed by dean dublah and chris sanders written by chris sanders and dean dublah and we have a really great voice cast here. We have uh, Lilo is voiced by, uh, I think her name is pronounced Davi Chase. Chris Sanders, I like this when this happens, is he voiced Stitch. A lot of times, and we're going to have this with Bolt, um, we're not covering DreamWorks, but this happened with Madagascar, where you have a character that they do like, I don't know if they did a scratch track or just maybe the director did the voice, mm-hmm. immediately captured it, and they kept it which i really like when that happens that happens in bolt with with rhino the hamster that happens in pe- the madagascar with with uh, the head penguin uh so it's really a lot of fun uh tia Carrere voices nani david ogden styers voices jumba kevin mcdonald voices pleakley uh ving rames uh, cobra bubbles one of the greatest character names of all time uh zoe caldwell uh voices green grand councilwoman Jason Scott Lee versus David Kawana. And then there's other ones. Kevin Reichel Richardson, Captain Gantu. And we have a bunch of uh, other great uh, character actors, of character voice actors. So as we go through the plot, it starts off with, on planet Turo, the United Galactic Federation convinced scientist Dr. Jumba Jokipi Kiba of illegal genetic experimentation. 
He has created Experiment 626, an aggressive and near indestructible creature with great learning capabilities. Before 626 can be ex exiled to an unpopulated asteroid, he escapes and crash lands on Kauai, Hawaii, where he is hit by a truck and placed in an animal shelter. The Federation's Grand Councilwoman offers Jumba an early release if he assists the Council's, er Council's Earth expert, Agent Pleakley, in capturing 626. So I really enjoy the opening of this movie because it doesn't take a lot to to get the backstory i love that david ogden Styers gives jumba a a, a russian accent so because i cannot say experiment two six without hearing experiment two six two six in my head <laughs> which i i do i do i love it. it got to the point where this was such a grain in my head that in my after my kids started watching lilo and stitch that i started calling them jessica is experiment one five one one and Dylan Experiment 401, because that's their birthdays. So, uh, but no, I, I really um, enjoy the opening here because we get the introduction of Stitch. We get the kind of the the plot device on what the uh, the point of the story is. Uh, and then we, um, you know, and we go right to Hawaii here with Hawaiian Roller Coaster. So I love the opening of this movie. Miranda, what were your thoughts on the story that we're about to to unfold with uh, Stitch, you know, what he is, why he ends up in Hawaii, and kind of uh, how the action starts. Well, immediately when they call him 626, I was like, oh boy, there's like a bunch of these things. Oh, jeez. <laughs> there's 625 um, others. <laughs> right? I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Um, but I do like it gets to the point, right? Like, it kind of, like, introduces Stitch. It introduces, like, our backstory pretty quickly and gets him to Hawaii where um, chaos can ensue. All right. Steve, what are your thoughts on the opening of this film? Yeah, it definitely was... Um good solid opening um like you said we get introduced to to stitch um to 626 and we know like you know we hear all about excuse me all about him and uh yeah uh, jukiba is definitely one of those uh kind of mad scientists that's just you know out you know wanting to kind of make a name for himself and um and we like you said we meet all the other you know aliens and uh and you know and then um eventually uh you know, um, Stitch is able to kind of use his enhanced intelligence to escape from his little um, his little prison there, um, and eventually make his way to Earth. And then, um, and then we get introduced to um, kind of the. Uh, I mean, we kind of definitely see that uh, Jakiba and um, and uh, Pleakley are kind of the uh, definite definite odd couple. Where um, uh, Pleakley, kind of, you know, is basically the um, kind of the Earth expert, and. Um, it is always kind of interesting. I notice this anytime we get, you know, we have a film with aliens in and how uh, the aliens are always kind of portrayed as these like hyper intelligent beings. And meanwhile, earthlings are just like a bunch of simpletons. So, <laughs> um, just kind of, I always found that kind of interesting, but yeah, the beginning of it was, you know, good. Um, kind of, kind of weird. We didn't get more shots in um, shots in space. Cause I wonder if a lot of people, people that were going to the film thought we were going to get a lot more space, you know, space adventure type film of type from this film. Um, but again, it was, you know, good little opening. Yeah. I think, I think the reason why space kind of happened so fast is because Lilo is not in space and we couldn't get her into space. So in the title of the film is Lilo and stitch. So I think they wanted to, to get that, get him to earth, you know, within, you know, you know, story wise, uh, a good good pacing and yeah i mean it, it's really not much to it he's like he's hiding out so it's not like that we need to see some great it's not a grand big escape like there's no planning it just kind of just happens and he finds his opening and he gets out and you know pleakly uh, it's funny it's a mosquito colony basically we we feed mosquitoes and yeah we're all, i i yeah that's a good point you made about uh earthlings in these uh movies not being intelligent or not being uh, being young or whatever because they're we're primitive people have said in other films and and things like that so i get it um so on Kauai, we got orphan teenager nani palake struggles to take care of a rambunctious but lonely younger sister lilo after their parents die in a car crash during a storm one day social worker culver bubbles arrives Concerned whether Nani can take adequate care of Lilo and threatens to place Lilo in foster care if their situation fails to improve. 
After overhearing Lilo praying to have a friend, Nani decides to adopt a, pre- a pet and take Lilo to the animal shelter. There, Lilo takes an interest in 626, who impersonates a dog. Despite Nani's doubts, Lilo adopts 626 and names him Stitch. That evening, at a restaurant where Nani works, a disguised Jumba and Pleakley attempt to capture Stitch. The owner blames the ensuing destructive chaos on Stitch and fires Nani. The next day, Bubbles repeats his earlier warning and tasks Nani with finding a new job and, Le- and Lilo with teaching Stitch to be a model citizen. Stitch's antics persistently run ruin Nani's choice of finding work. So, yeah, the fact that Stitch gets uh, lands on Earth and then immediately gets hit by a car is pretty... Not, not that it's funny, but it's kind of like uh, one of those, like, all right, well, this is what's going to happen here. Um, it, was, it seems like Lilo has this thing where she likes to take pictures of heavy set people at the beach for whatever reason. But, <laughs> you know, she's, um, you know, did, she, did she say why? I don't remember. Uh, no, I don't know. Maybe she's just fascinated by them. One thing uh, I, I popped for was I never noticed this, that the name of the restaurant Nani works in is called Mulan Walk. Mm-hmm. Or so, so that was pretty fun. Or she, I think she goes there. I don't know if that's the one she goes to to get job, but I, I think she works at some kind of resort actually in the beginning. But Lilo is is definitely a, a kind of a drama queen a little bit because she sits there and she's like sulking to listen and listening to Elvis. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, Steve, what do you think of uh, when we get to Hawaii here and and the action starts to move and we get you know kind of more about Lilo and we learn how we start to see uh, how her and Stitch meet and, and Nani's struggles and what have you. Yeah. You, you can't help but feel bad for Nani cause she's trying really hard to, uh, you know, keep things in, you know, in order with their life and, you know, and Lilo's just being, you know, like you said, a, just an over, overbearing, you know, drama queen, um, you know, just so over dramatic with everything. And clearly, um, she doesn't fit in well with all her, with all the other, you know, other girls there. And, um, and yeah, poor, uh, poor Stitch getting run over by those, um, by those trucks there after uh, encountering that little frog, which kind of becomes kind of a running, running theme throughout the film. He encounters that frog several times. Um, but luckily, I mean, he is indestructible, so he, you know, can take a beating, but keeps on ticking. Um, kind of a little ingenious there by him to, um, to kind of camouflage the fact that he's an alien by like, in, by um, folding in like his two other arms and his like antennae and that little those little spikes in, in his back to make him at least somewhat passable of a dog, um, and I think he and he and Lilo definitely become immediate um, like you can tell the connections right there because he's an outcast and she feels like a bit of an outcast, um, so they immediately are drawn to each other. So I do kind of like that little dynamic between them, um, even though he he does cause you know immediate trouble for them. He, Costani his you know her job um and then like you said the uh introduction of um of uh, Cobra Bubbles like, like you said one of the greatest names in history of animation and he's just you know got this like you know tough facade behind him and you could tell he definitely um he he understands Nani's position but he he is you know he has a job to do so he's definitely um you know trying to be kind of as lenient as he can without you know stepping over his um his you know, duties as the, uh, as a social worker. So, um, but yeah, this was definitely a little um, showcase here to get, to get stitched to earth, have him and, and uh, Lilo come together um, and kind of, we see, I guess we'll see over these next couple of scenes, him kind of try, they try to basically, you know, make him as normal as they possibly can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at uh, Cobra bubbles and you're like, Oh, it's Marcellus Wallace in animation form. So, which is, Pretty funny. I, I love Jamba and um Pleakley's disguises. That's a it's it, that that's the thing. David, you know, kind of a little accident prone to be a fire dancer. Which is interesting. <laughs> uh, Miranda, what are your thoughts on our arrival to Hawaii and you know, learning more a little bit about Lilo and her and Stitch's uh meeting? I thought it was a really cute introduction to like island life. Um, and the life that her and Nani kind of have. Um, of course, Jumba and Pleaky's costumes at any point when they're trying to, like, be someone else are the best things ever. Uh, chaos blamed on Stitch? Absolutely. Like, the poor little thing just can't help but be chaotic. Mm-hmm. So, it's 
pretty cute. Yes. Another thing that people say about this movie, too, is Nani. Now, yes, Nani is a, uh, trying to do the best she can. She's obviously, like, got to be around, like, 19, 18, 19 years old, so she could try to take care of her younger sister. But the way Nani is drawn, how she... A lot of people, they, they like Nani a lot. <laughs> yeah, because she's not this little skitty itty-bitty, right? She's not... She doesn't look like a traditional Disney princess and, and like... Uh, you know, she was she was one of the first characters that we've seen that has like curves and and flaws and things like that. So it, a lot of people uh, say, you know, really love that Disney did this with this movie. Okay, so Nani's boyfriend David invites her, Lilo, and Stitch to enjoy a day of surfing to improve their mood. While the four surf, Jumba and Pleakley attempt to capture Stitch covertly, causing Stitch to pull Lilo underwater intentionally. David rescues both Lilo and Stitch, with, but Bubbles witnesses the event and decides to retrieve Lilo the following morning. Feeling guilty over the trouble he has caused, Stitch runs away. The next morning, Grand Councilwoman fires Jumba and Pleakley and tasks her second-in-command, Captain Gantu, with capturing Stitch. Jumba begins hunting, Stitch using less covert methods, while David informs Nani of a job opportunity, which she rushes off to pursue. Hiding in a nearby wood, Stitch encounters Jumba and Pleakley, who chase him back to Nani's house, a fight between Stitch and Jumba culminates in an explosion that destroys the house. Nani sees a fire engine driving towards it and rushes back home. Bubbles arrives to collect Lilo. So a lot happens here in a short amount of time. With the job searching, we get this really fun surfing scene. Um, you know, we get more of Jumba and Pleakley trying to uh, to get, you know, capture Stitch with uh, him, you know, using Lilo as cover. It seems like, but we also get Captain Gantu, who you think is is probably there's if you think of a true villain in this movie, I think he's as close as you get to that. But uh, Miranda, what are your thoughts on this part of the uh, moving the plot forward and, and some of these things? Um, I think a lot happens really fast, which is which is okay. I I am okay with the pacing of this movie, and I think maybe it's because I I love it. Um, I love the introduction of Captain Gantu. I really like Captain Gantu. I think he's funny. Um, I think a lot of things are just very unfortunate circumstances here. Not necessarily like Stitch being chaotic. I don't think he means to do a lot of the things that he does. Um, And I I do want to say that I feel like if they had just let 626 do his thing. I know it's Stitch is the same thing, but they keep calling him 626. If they had just like left him alone and not worried about where he went off to, a lot of this would have could have never happened. <laughs> if we had gone straight to the police, this would never have happened, right? <laughs> right. Or, you know, if they just like left him alone to be an adopted dog, yeah, things could have maybe, maybe we wouldn't have a blown up house, you know, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, what are your thoughts? Because we also get a really fun Elvis impersonation here by Stitch after after uh, Lilo teaches him, you know, all about playing the guitar and, and, and dressing up here. So what are your thoughts on this part of the movie? I was actually just about to uh, mention that. That's actually one of my favorite parts of the film is uh, is Stitch on the beach as Elvis trying to impress everyone, and um, but then everyone crowds around him and he ends up you know causing more destruction. Um, I, I do like the surfing scene with them because I can because when you know throughout the film we kind of see uh, Lonnie and Anani uh, and uh, Lilo kind of you know constantly arguing with each other but we do get this one moment here where they you know you do see that they do genuinely care about each other because they are sisters obviously and um, you can also see that David definitely cares about both of them because um, he's obviously been you can tell he's definitely been trying to hook up with Nani for a while, but she's just not having it. Um, and then, like you said, then, um, you know, uh, uh, Jukiba and, um, and Peakley come in, you know, try to, you know, try to get Stitch and that leaves, you know, they almost cause uh, Lilo to get killed. And then that happens to be when uh, Bub- uh, Bubbles shows up. And like you said, then he's going to, you know, take Lilo away and we see Stitch, you know, cause one of the things that, you know, at the very beginning of the film, when, uh, uh, J- Jakiba is discussing Stitch about how he's like, you know, in- he's you know built for destruction. He's incapable of feeling. And throughout the course of the film, we see Stitch, you know, actually 
start to become capable of feeling because he feels terrible for what has um what's happened and that he's causing uh Lilo to get taken away from Nani. Um and then it all culminates where um where where they where uh, Jumba and uh Peakley try to get um get Stitch and end up causing uh Nani's house to get destroyed. Um in a you know it's an interesting, you know, kind of even though it's obviously a lot of destruction, it is kind of they do try to kind of play it up for comedic effect. Um, excuse me, and then um, and then eventually, you know, um, Bubbles comes to take Lilo, and then Lilo ends up running away, kind of leading to our next next bit here. Um, yeah, I don't know if I would call Gontu a villain. He's definitely just kind of, you know, he's, he's another one. Who, gray. Yeah, yeah, he's another one who takes his job very seriously. So, and he 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 only sees it like it's his way or uh, or no way, basically. Yeah, there's no real true villain in this movie, right? There's no there's maybe antagonists, so to speak, but there's no like out and out. Child like, Protective when... Services, they're the villains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there, but there's no, we're not going to get a Maleficent, a Jafar, anything like that in this movie. It's it's really the 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 antagonist is really the uh, the situation. You know, Stitch is a you know an experiment that that has to be contained. Lilo. And Nani, unfortunately, are, you know, too, you know, young to, uh, there's no real parents or adults around. So that, that, it's just their circumstances, their antagonists in this movie. You know, honestly, I think that may be something that I appreciate a lot about this movie. Don't get me wrong. We've all heard me talk about how much I love my villains and which ones are my favorite. But I think that's kind of what what also shapes this one as different. It's not just the animation. It's not just how Nani is drawn as like a real actual woman. But it also is that it deals with real life problems um, that really happen. But it adds the fun twist of, you know, Stitch. And then what Steve brought up a minute ago is that we're supposed to be, it's supposed to be ingrained in us that Stitch has no feelings, but we're watching him have feelings. So I kind of love that there's no real villain but there are real problems like stitch has a real issue because he's actually not bad he's just misunderstood and then nani and you know lilo have this like actual real life with real consequences situation that they're dealing with too Mm -hmm. so as nani and bubbles argue over lilo's well-being lilo runs away into the woods to fight Stitch, who is in shame, reveals his alien form before Gontu captures both him and Lilo. Stitch escapes from Gontu's ship but fails to rescue Lilo. Nani confronts him, having witnessed Lilo's kidnapping. Before he can explain, Jumbo and Pleakley capture Stitch themselves. Nani demands that they help rescue Lilo, but Jumbo and Pleakley insist that they only came for Stitch. <coughs> Excuse me. When Nani starts to burst into tears, Stitch reminds her about Ohana, a term for family he learned from her. Stitch convinces Jumba to help rescue Lilo. Jumba, Pleakley, Stitch, and Nani board Jumba's personal spaceship and pursue Gantu rescuing Lilo. So, yeah, this is... I, I really enjoyed this part because we get... Uh, the the mix of CG and, and hand-drawn really steps up here. And I think it's a really fun uh, scene here to get back Lilo. And we get to... Everybody starts to see uh, Stitch is not bad. He's he's misunderstood, right? That's the best way you could see about it. Um, all right, Steve, what are your what are your thoughts on this part? Yeah. So again, like we said, you know, um, Gantu only cares about his um, his objective, and he, you know, when he finally captures Lilo, uh, Stitch along with Lilo, um, you know, when he puts him in that little like capsule there, he he has the audacity to say that, you know, to call basically call Lilo uh, a snack for uh, for Stitch, just because he still sees he still sees Stitch as this monster, um, and then you know Stitch ends up escaping, but he um he gets blown away because uh, the ship flies off, and then um then we kind of see um because like you said um J- uh, Jumba and Peakley, you know again just capture Stitch because that's their mission, but then um Stitch gets through to them. By doing the whole, you know, when he kind of says about the whole Ohana meets family, and he ends up kind of, kind of getting through to um to Nani, and then the like we said, all of them kind of get together to um to finally save to save Lilo, and um kind of a you know one of the big moments there when uh, Lilo drives that uh that tanker truck right into the volcano, um 
to uh, to shoot himself back up into Gantu's uh, um, Gantu's uh, ship there, and uh, Gantu's you know kind of you know you know it's like you're a monster, you're a you know abomination, and everything, and then it's just just like I'm also cute and fluffy as he throws as he throws uh, Gantu out of the ship, which I thought was I thought that was a good little uh, zinger there by by Stitch. Um, interesting though, note that it was uh, when I was kind of doing my you know you know, looking up, you know, kind of researching the film and everything. Um, apparently they had initially wanted to, um, and that's, you know, as they're going through the stage, they initially wanted um, them to actually not get in uh, John Bush, um I mean, um, Jumba ship, but rather a, um, a 747 and then kind of drive and then follow Gantu throughout the city of Honolulu. Um, and they actually had animated it a little bit, but then apparently after um, after September, after what happened on 9/11, they changed it up to having him being in the Jumba ship and then going through the mountains instead. Um, which I thought I was think kinda... their decision was a much better one, to be honest with you. Right. Not no, even thinking about 9/11, but just in general, like right. hearing well, that versus yeah. Yeah, well, because uh, as they're flying through the mountains, that's where we hit. You see that um that that Taurus again that uh, Lilo took the picture of and he's, he gets his ice cream knocked over by the, sh- by the ship, which, uh, you know, they throw that little, you know, comic effect in there, but, um, but yeah, it was definitely a good little um, kind of, you know, chase scene there as, um, as Jumba and uh, Peakley kind of, you know, put their little, put their, um, their mission aside to help Stitch save, to help Stitch and Ani save Lilo. So they kind of, they now have seen that Stitch has um, become more than what uh, Jumba initially thought he was. Miranda, what are your thoughts on this part? Well, I do, I do have to wonder, because, you know, they keep talking like you're an abomination, like you can't be, you can't do this, you can't do this. It really makes me wonder how horrible the other 625 were that are like hardcore driving them to believe this, you know, like what did they do exactly? I mean, you know, just, just saying. Um, But I, I do love all of this. I think um, I did not know what the thing Steve said, you know, I didn't know that they had thought about a different idea and I'm glad they didn't go that way because I find this like it's heartwarming and comedic at the same time this whole like chase and going back and like proving that he like he is part of the family and he understands what ohana means so i really enjoy everything that happens yeah yeah i i had found that also as well when um yeah because the uh the red spaceship is modeled after that boeing 747 and they decide just to do the uh, the, the valley and the mountains uh, and just one heavy set fellow. <laughs> so I don't know why what the obsession is with with. I'm gonna of, see uh, if I can find out. In this movie here, you know, another fun thing is that there was like one of those hula dancer uh, things on the dashboard when Stitch takes the uh, oil tanker. Um, mm-hmm. which I think is uh, you have to have that right. They they, they could not have it in this film. Oh. So this is sad. This is a fan theory, but you were we just said like why does she take pictures of large things? Um she has a she actually has a fascination. It's not just larger people, it's tourists in general. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people that one believe um the theory is her desire to remember and never forget people. Uh, and the other is a way of remaining close to her father, because I think in one picture when they show like their whole family before their parents have passed, um, he's a he's a little on the heavier side. So a lot of a lot of the fan theories are saying that they believe it's her way of remaining close to him. Like they remind him of her of him. That is the saddest thing ever. Well, you can definitely tell Lilo is damaged. Right, she's she's she. I mean, to lose her parents at such a young age. I say, how could you not be? I'm yeah, sorry. she's she's. There's a lot of trauma here going on, which I think it 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 may speak to kids too. Like you know, if there's a kid that sees this movie and understands, like, yeah, it's 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 the worst. It's the hardest thing to to imaginable for a child is to lose their parents at such a young age. That I think I think that could be part of uh, the takeaway too in this as well so 
So we get to the uh, towards the end of the film here. On the shore, the Grand Councilwoman arrives to take Stitch into custody personally, and she fires Gantu for kidnapping and endangering Lilo, failing to capture Stitch. However, she realizes that Stitch is now civilized when he displays a newfound respect and compassion, compassion sorry, and is informed that Lilo legally owns him after buying him from an animal shelter. Can't talk about it. The Grand Councilwoman decrees that Stitch will live out his exile on Earth and that the Pedike family has the protection of the United Galactic Federation. Bubbles then reveals that he is a former CIA agent who had previously met the Grand Councilwoman in Roswell, New Mexico in 1973. Stitch. What was that? I have a theory about that. All right. Stitch, Jumbo, and having joined Lilo and Nani's family, rebuild their house with David and Bubbles' help. All right, Miranda, what's your theory and your thoughts on the uh, closing moments of the film? So overall, I really enjoy the closing moments of the film because we get a, we get a happy ending, right? We get a Disney happy ending, but no villain was harmed. There was no like, I mean, yes, we, we have dead parents from the beginning, but we didn't see it happen. And like, you know, we all assume Beast is, or uh, Gaston's dead, like a situation like that, right? That didn't have to happen. Nobody had to die or anything. So I do love that, that for once, again, they did something different. And I think it's fantastic. And that Stitch gets to remain like the dog of the family, because I think it shows that maybe the experiments are actually a little bit better than they had thought, you know, initially. And maybe they'll change their ways of how they look at experiments to come. Now, my theory has to do with bubbles because like you said in the movie the council you know when they come to collect stitch the leader mentions you know the social worker bubbles because remember he's a social worker and like you said he said oh yeah I, I was CIA at Roswell so you're telling me a man who was a CIA agent involved in alien contact just walked away to become a social worker? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. So my theory, and I've read this one online before too, and come at me if you need to, because I will die on this hill. My theory is that Lilo's parents actually may have had connections to Bubbles. Oh. And Bubbles has been watching over them this whole time on purpose. That's not a bad theory. It's not. No, and there's evidence the that can kind of back it up when we get. Um, uh, it's it's kind of based on the first movie, like this, not the sequels of the TV show, but there there is some stuff that like every now and then in the movie or the sequels that you're, or the TV show or the sequels where you're like, hmm. Yeah. And that's just my theory because one, they passed away. I don't remember if they say how they did. And then, I don't know, there's just a lot of other things. So. Right. Steve, what do you think of, of how the movie ends? And now we have theory. It is definitely, uh, well, that is definitely a unique theory. Um, I never would have thought about that. Um, just, just in, I have the movie on in the background. It was in the scene where, uh, where there, where uh, Jumba's trying to catch Le- uh, Stitch in the house, and there's some good little um, like back and forth between the two. Like at one point, because uh, because Le- uh, Stitch is going between his like alien speak and um, and speaking English, and at one point he's like um, he like yells something to uh, to Jumba, who's like, "Don't you bring my mother into this!" And and like how they go back and forth with the, like after the carrot gets stuck in the ray gun, they go back and forth. He's like, "Happy birthday, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, one potato, two potatoes." So I thought that was uh, that. I like so I did like that part of it. Um, but yeah, the uh, the ending itself is actually kind of a nice little wrap up here, where the um, the councilwoman tries to get Stitch back, but then Stitch, you know, like again, like we said, showing that he has proven that he can sh- can show compassion and show humanity, or so like you know, feelings about how again how he finds uh, Nani and Lilo to be his family, and um, I just think to myself, it's like, you know. You know that two dollar uh, license fee that they had to pay to get um, to get Stitch um, paying dividends here because that that pretty much is you know locking locks him in to be with them and um, and yeah kind of interesting about how um, yeah that bubbles 
you know, goes from CIA CIA agent to social worker, um, right. and just happen and just happen to remember the councilwoman from meeting her all those years ago. So, um, and then yeah, like and then I like the little like in, like ending sequence there about how Stitch quickly became domesticated by becoming like the cook and the uh, the, like the the lawn does the laundry and um, and then going forward, you know, like you know how they all come together. Like you said, they build the new house. How Jumba and uh, um, Bleakly kind of become like part of the family. Um, it seems like David's now become more stable part of the family as well. Um, and then we kind of get that little ending there with like all the like, the pictures of them going to all the different places. So um, I'm thought again, yeah, like you said, kind of a um, almost like a, Di- a Disney esque type ending. But I think it definitely um, it works because now uh, you know Stitch has gotten you know has gotten himself now a family, um, and we see and like Lilo and Nani have become you know have become like closer than ever and now have, you know, been able to kind of overcome all the, um, everything that they've been able to, uh, that they've been through. Hmm. All right. Really good. Uh, yeah, this ends, it's, it's kind of funny how we get this kind of like really interesting family at the end here. Uh, and also one thing we can talk about the soundtrack is, is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. By the way, Mm -hmm. because it's, it's, there are a lot of Elvis songs, but we also get covers like, over the credits, we get "Burning Love" performed by Winona. Uh, we get "Hawaiian Roller Coaster." These are all things that you hear on the Disney Serious Channel all the time, and it it is I I, I really enjoy this stuff. Uh, that, that was one of the the big positives to come out of this uh, this film was the the soundtrack. So, um, any uh, closing thoughts that we may not have shared on this before I get into talk about the uh, sequels and other. Uh, associated parts of of uh, Lilo and Stitch verse, I guess. Uh, Steve, anything else you want to add? Um. Well, mm, I mean, I haven't seen any of the sequels, nor did I see the um the TV series. Um, you know, maybe it's one of those things I might go back and do at some point. I know um, there's obviously the big news about the uh, the live action film coming out um here in like the next like in the next like year or so. Um. But I mean, it's it's funny. I said, you know, when we started this thing, I this I said about how, um, you know, there's something missing from this film that doesn't, you know, fully click with me. And now, like after having talked about it and and kind of rewatching it now, it's like, I mean, I have been, I've enjoyed these like last rewatches. It is a good film. Um, like I said, because you know, since we've gotten to this new decade, this is easily this is easily the best film I think we've watched to this point um, of all the new films that have come out of the in the two thousands and it's over just those, over Emperor's New Groove. I I would say yes. Um, oh, <laughs> sorry, Miranda, but um, <laughs> but it, it, I mean, it's I, I know it's it's definitely I know it has a, I mean it's definitely got its you know fan base. Um, and again, I'm probably more kind of in the um, in the middle of it. Like I said, I don't love it, but I don't hate it either. Um, but it's definitely, I think, very. Um, it's a definitely, it's definitely a fun film to watch. And and, and like we said, it's it it goes by really quick. It's only 86 minutes, so it's not you know, it's not it doesn't drag too long. It you know, it goes at a really good pace. Um, and I think it's just one of those ones where if you're kind of you know. You're not sure if you want to just kind of find something to throw on that, you know, you haven't watched in a while. I think this is definitely a good one to do so. So I will give you one thing. I like it didn't it didn't hurt me too much when you said uh, this over Emperor's New Groove. And, and here's why. Because I think there are a large amount of people that I would call following Emperor's New Groove more of like a cult like following where Lilo and Stitch or like a niche, there's like a niche group of people that truly love Emperor's New Groove. Um, but I think Lilo and Stitch is one of those movies kind of like Ratatouille where it's very well universally loved. So it makes sense that you would prefer this one to Emperor's New Groove. Yeah, it's not it's not going to be in the same conversation as Aladdin, Lion King, Snow White. But it's definitely... The top of the next tier, I would think. I, I don't. I don't really know much about the tier list thing that people do, but I would definitely. I think, think it depends on the generation. Like, not yeah. to interrupt you, but I think I think the tier list listing really depends on the generation. Because I think if you ask like Caden, for example, he's going to tell you out of all the ones that you just named, it's going to be Lilo and Stitch. It's going. That's going to be his favorite. 
That's and there's nothing wrong with that. No, but I'm saying I think it it truly depends. So for like yeah. the three of us, we look at like that that holy kind of trinity as we were calling it there as yeah. like higher tier, top tier um, Disney productions. Whereas like Jessica, your daughter, and Caden, my son's generation are going to look at different ones as what they consider top tier. And we're about to get to, you know, another one that both of our kids consider like way up there. So I think it really does when you, when we're ranking these, we, and we don't really rank rank, but I think when we're talking about how other people rank and how other people see them, I think that's a lot that goes into it, honestly. Yeah. We generally rank when it's like pretty kind of obvious. Like, we ask each other like what we're part of the pack is this. Like, yeah. yeah. And this is definitely upper middle for me. I would definitely consider it there. It's not in the top. I don't know if it makes it in my top 10. I, I'd have to sit down and really think about it, but it definitely is in, in, in the top half, like creating, upper, upper middle. Yeah. Creating top 10 is really hard. I would agree with you, like upper middle. Yeah, so that makes me because, wonder, Steve, what do you think? Um, well, I actually, well, of course, when I did my reviews, I did end up ranking all the films, and I end up having this, um, I did have it in my top 30, at least, so it is kind of okay. middle to mm-hmm. closer to that upper tier. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sorry, what were you trying to say, Andy? No, no, it's just there are a few films that are going to come out that will would definitely surpass, the, like, definitely knock this down a bit. That's true, yeah. You know, because I have, like, one of mine that's probably in my top 10 that, that, that it comes out in a few, uh, it does come out for a few years, but... Definitely is something that I love that we're going to see a lot more in the parks soon. If you know, if you follow mm-hmm. Disney parks, so. All right, so we've we've made mention of the the franchise, right? The the Lilo and Stitch verse, if we're going to call it that. So on August twenty sixth, we got a direct to. Now this is one of the rare times too, where a direct uh, to video sequel was not terrible. You know, it's no, not. No, no, it wasn't. No, this, they. I don't know. Maybe it's because the style of animation, but it doesn't really look all that different yeah you could definitely see that it's tv animation so to speak but it definitely did not have like when you look at cinderella and the cinderella and the direct uh t- you know to dvd sequels for cinderella it's like yeah there's such a stark difference even even with aladdin but the aladdin the aladdin show is a lot of fun actually um so we got the direct to video sequel stitch the movie which served as a pilot to the television series Lilo and Stitch the Series that ran for 65 episodes between September 20, 2003, July 29, 2006. The series carries on where the film left off and charted Lilo and Stitch's efforts to capture and rehabilitate Jumba's remaining experiments. The series, as well as the original parts of the franchise, focused on Lilo, were set in Hawaii, ended with the television film Leroy and Stitch, which aired on June 23, 2006. On August 30th, 2005, Lilo and Stitch 2, Stitch Has a Glitch, another direct-to-video sequel, was released. And this film that was set between Lilo and Stitch and Stitch the movie, Stitch has a glitch because his molecules were never fully charged. Thus, the contrary, this is contrary to the opening of Stitch's trial, which was seen on the DVD release of Lilo and Stitch. Lilo wants to win the Mayday Hula contest like her mother did in the 70s, but Stitch continues to have outbursts. Lilo gets increasingly mad at Stitch as his glitch causes more problems for her and ruins her chances of winning competition. She thinks Stitch is not cooperating uh, properly until she finds out that Stitch is dying. The Lilo and Stitch 2 Stitch Has a Glitch DVD also contained a short The Origin of Stitch that served as a bridge between Stitch Has a Glitch and Stitch the movie. So, also, in March 2008, Disney announced an anime uh, based on the Lilo and Stitch franchise aimed at the Japanese market titled Stitch. The anime, which ran as a series from October 2008 to March 2011, featured a Japanese girl named Yuna Kamahara, playing place of Lilo, and set in a fictional island in Okinawa Prefecture instead of Hawaii. The series produced by Madhouse for its first two seasons and then another company for its uh, third season. And there was also a English-language Chinese animated television show based on the title Stitch and AI. Um, and that's that's... Pretty much it for the <coughs> media. Now, Steve, you said you didn't see it. Miranda, have you seen any of the uh, the, the sequels on the show? I have. So I've actually mm-hmm. seen either all of or parts of everything except for the uh, the Chinese one. Yeah. The AI. I, was, I didn't know until yeah. I was doing my research that that even existed. 
I, I had never heard of that one at all. Okay. Yeah, the show was fun. I remember that was something that, like, we would have on, you know, when the kids were little. I, I did watch Stitch and uh, Lilo and Stitch, too, and Leroy and Stitch. We had them all on DVD. We didn't. Mm-hmm. We didn't watch it because my kids really love the Lilo and Stitch um, movies. Oh, yeah. Caden, huge fan. I think mm-hmm. I already said that. But and the anime, I would say, is actually a lot of fun just for anybody that's interested. In this yeah. And in the theme park, Stitch is very popular mm-hmm. in the theme parks. So he's probably, I might I might dare say, probably in the top 20, maybe pushing the top 15 characters. Uh, in terms of popularity when when they do appear so with that said they they did uh there was a ride we had called stitch's great estate escape now i don't know if any of y'all went to disney world when they had the extraterrestrial alien encounter my husband had so we i went on it when it was the stitch ride and my husband was like oh so it's just like mm, the the alien he's like essentially it's a kid version it was, but the extraterrestrial, first of all, here's the thing. It was in the wrong park. That's the first thing about that movie, that that ride. It should have been in the studios because that was not right for Tomorrowland because it was kind of scary. Now, I remember going into that, you know, with with you know, my ex-wife, Jill. We were on vacation down there in 2001. She was not happy that I talked her into going on that ride because I had never, that attraction, I had never been out before. And you would literally sit there and you would... Have the anybody if, if you've been on it before, it's you know, you have these you kind of sit there and they put these like a like a heart like a restraint over you. You don't really move, but it adds effects like you will feel like the warm breath of an alien and you mm-hmm. feel maybe some of the uh it's like, you know, saliva coming down or slime coming from the ceilings. I mean, it was a scary attraction. So, you know, and a lot of people complained about it. I mean, it was a marvel of Imagineering. It just was in the wrong place. So they came out with Stitch's Great Escape. Opened on November 16, 2004. And it became a lot more fun version of it, where Stitch would be the one that would escape. And the reason why I said I was in the mood for chili dogs, when you're in there, you do smell chili dogs because Stitch belches, and that's what you smell. And he's like, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I, yeah, you know, I can't do it. You can do yeah, it. Caden can do it. I can't do it. Yeah, or how about me? Yeah, I can. Stitch is actually not, not a ter- hard voice for me. So it last operated on January 6th, 2018, and it was confirmed by Disney officials to be closed on July 16, 2020. And there's still nothing there, by the way. So then we would get, uh, we also have Stitch's Supersonic Celebration. That was a, a short-lived stage show that ran from May 6, 2009 to June 27th. That is a short run. <coughs> 2009 at Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney. There was the Stitch Encounter, which was an interactive show similar to Turtle Talk with Crush that opened in 2006 at Hong Kong Disneyland. Other versions of the attraction opened at the Walt Disney Studios Park at Disneyland Paris at Stitch Live in 2008. In Tokyo Disneyland in spring of 2015. In Shanghai Disneyland. In 2016, the original version in Hong Kong closed in 2016, and no versions of this attraction have opened at either uh, American Disney Resort. We also had the Enchanted Tiki Room presents Stitch presents Aloha y Komamai, which was a theater and around audio animatronic show that opened in 2008 in Tokyo Disneyland, and is the fourth incarnation of the Enchanted Tiki Room. We also have Stitch as a walk-around character in Tomorrowland. And something that I'm going to do on my next trip, because I haven't done it before, is a best friend's breakfast at Ohana, which features Lilo and Stitch. It's basically a character breakfast at all you care to enjoy at Ohana. And if you've never been to Ohana, I always suggest trying it out. I went there for dinner, and it was good. But if you have a picky ear, it's not the best place for you. And everything is stir family style. It's a lot of fun. But they have this really great breakfast, from what I hear. And and you can get Tonga toast, which is not something I would eat because there's bananas in it. But they also have something called pog juice, which is something that I've made at home. Uh, have either of you ever had pog juice? I don't know. I mean, I might and just it don't is, realize it, it. It is a mix of passion fruit juice, orange juice, and guava juice together. Oh, yeah, I have. So, yeah, you I can make that at home. I've never heard it called that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's known as pog juice uh, down there. So, 
I would highly recommend it. Uh, that's uh, it is located at the Polynesian Resort. If you're into character dining, it is something for you. And the cool thing now is too is with character dining and any you don't have to like get autographs. They will give you a card with all these signatures on it when you sit down. So. Oh, they don't one. come around to the table anymore? They come around to the table. You can take photos and things like that, but you don't have to sit there, and, and they'll have to, like, sign your book. Oh, well, I kind of like them. Well, I mean, I get it. It's probably a lot of reasons why they changed it, but I kind of liked the character dinner and breakfast that we did where, like, when they come around and you take the pictures, they sign your book that you specifically bought for them to sign. Oh, yes, I know. I have a couple of them. Some some characters don't really sign. Others, some would just give you a stamp, too. And some would have like great difficulty signing, but would also be funny though. Like and they like the like when we went to um, uh, the the buffet at the Grand Floridian, and it was um, sir, uh, what was it called? Um, the restaurant with the we had it was like the Wicked Cinderella, the Wicked Stepsisters, the Wicked Stepmother. The the faces they made when they gave you the they are so funny. They are hysterical. So funny. Cool. So, uh, is there anything else we haven't said about Lilo and Stitch before we uh, we get out of here? Hmm. No. I think we co- I think I've covered everything. All right. Cool. All right. So, uh, Miranda, what else do you have to uh, direct people to these days in any kind of social media presence? Uh, yeah, uh, social media where people can follow me. I am on TikTok and Twitter. At Mom's Nerd, of course, I have multiple podcasts here on the Place to Be Nation Pop feed. This is the only feed I'm on currently. I'm not anywhere else. Um, so you can listen to other shows that I may be on here. Listen to all the shows, though. There's something for everybody. But, yeah, as far as following me on social media, uh, Instagram and TikTok is what I prefer. Okay. Steve, what do you got? Well, I got um, a couple of pods over here on this pop feed as well, uh, making Mount Rushmore, um, as well as the video jukebox song of the day. Um, that's mainly been you, myself, and uh, Keith Langston, but that's always a lot of fun to do. Um, also, over on the wrestling feed, I have Extreme Resurrection. That's me and James Grunberg, where we're going through WWE's um, version of ECW from 2006 to 2010. We're currently in the summer of 2007, um, about to kind of hit the two shows in between the Great American Bash. So, uh, as we're you know, going through the summer there. It's been kind of an interesting little um, run there. Um, the roster's kind of on a, you know, bit on the low end, but it's been, you know, but it's been a good experience, a good run that we've been on. So be sure to listen to that. Um, I also do occasionally appear over on the North-South Connection with a couple of shows over there, mainly Cronoso or with the um, the uh, premium live events um, previews that Ryan Gray does. So be, uh, be sure to follow all that stuff. And if you haven't subscribed yet to the North South uh, connection, YouTube channel, please do. So um, lots of great stuff over there. Um, and of course, over on the PTB Facebook group, uh, the greatest song of the 2000s tournament is uh, nearing the end. We're about to um, hit the round of 32. Uh, so we're getting down to the nitty gritty with the, uh, the best of the best, the uh, cream of the crop as uh, Randy Savage would say. Um, so if you have, if so, please be sure to get involved with that as we get closer and closer to determining what is the greatest song of the 2000s. All right. Very good. Uh, as for me, yeah, I do uh, have one show on the PlayStation Wrestling Network at the moment. That is Who's Next. That's myself and Logan Crosland, where we break down uh, every month to two months or so of, of uh, NXT television shows. Our next one will be dropping probably closer to mid-December. We're waiting till after deadline, which I will be attending live with our good friend Jay Arsenio D'Amato. Should be a really fun time. Anytime you get to go see anything with Jad live is... is uh, I can't wait for him to, to be on whoop that trick uh, that night. So uh, looking forward to that. And on this very feed that I curate, yes, I am part of the Video Jukebox Song of the Day with Steve and Keithy for the most part. We are trying to get more people into the mix, uh, you know, trying to get the, the Podfather back into the fold. But that is every weekday at 8 a.m. On the weekends, I'm trying to drop a little Pod Blast live watch of a Pixar or Disney animation shirt. Going to get back to that soon. I really want to get uh, and do uh, Once Upon a Studio because I am in love with that short. So you're going to hear me gush about that for the length of it. Also, the Pixar uh, live watches will be coming back very soon. Blockbuster rewatch. I just dropped episode, uh, Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace with Keith Langston. Greg Diener will be joining me for Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. I'm going to be 
uh, cartoons of our youth, uh, trying to uh, get our next episode out soon. Miranda and I will be back with Muppets, hopefully mm-hmm. soon. Also, since it is the Christmas time of year, I will be doing some re-releases, some redrops of some pods of Christmas past, I'm calling them. So some old uh, laughing theaters and a big special that I had I'd done a few years ago. So keep an eye out for that. And then this year's laughing theater Christmas episodes will be dropping. I believe Fred Claus will be the first one that I will be dropping. And then right before Christmas, Elf. So lots of fun shows coming your way. Lots of fun stuff here on the Pop Experience. So so for our next episode, we are staying in 2002. And we're doing one of those movies that is a combination of themes and genres with Treasure Planet. So I will be back in the driver's seat once again for that one as we look I don't know if we look forward to that one. It's one that I've only seen once, and I think it was when it came out in theater. So it has been over 20 years since I've seen that movie. So I am very interested to revisit that. So looking forward to uh, once again sitting down with Steve and Miranda as we continue on. And guys, we are not that far from uh, catching up to current. So really not. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We could be there within a year or so. We could be uh, up to date. So we'll see where it goes from there. All right. So for Miranda Berthel and Steve Riddle, I am Andy Atherton. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Pop Goes the Classics. And remember, Ohana means family. <laughs>